In this episode of No Truce Bard, the guest is Baruti Labray. Baruti is an entrepreneur, real estate investor, and scholar from the Jersey City, New Jersey area. In this particular episode, we discuss libertarianism, we discuss the rigor that goes to becoming an entrepreneur, and we also discuss the place of African-centered studies in 2021. Make sure you check this particular episode out. Listen, like, share, and enjoy. Thank you. Peace. Peace, peace. What's going on, good sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, let me knock this intro out real quick. So, welcome back to a brand new episode of No Truce Bar, the best up and coming podcast on the internet. And I'm your host, Hoy Kuwaku Timmons. And I want to thank anybody that has listened to any of the previous 62 episodes. So all of those episodes can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, and make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, Also, make sure you check out my new show, which is Truth Sessions. So I take that show and I get into a little bit of philosophy, certain axioms that I believe in, certain social critiques. So make sure you check that out as well. Um, And also, I never want to ever let an episode go by without thanking any and everybody that's contributed um, a piece of constructive criticism, decided to share a piece of content. I definitely appreciate it. And so I thank you guys for participating and uh, helping me to grow and expand this platform. Now, without further ado, I have a brother on today that I consider um, a heavy intellectual, a brother that's a, a, a leader doing a lot of great things out in the tri-state area, an entrepreneur, um, the man of a thousand and one holds like Dean Malenko, um, <laughs> but no, a, a, a really powerful brother, um, uh, 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 an organizer, you know, a manager of artists, uh, so many different things. Without further ado, I have my good friend and brother on, Baruti LeBray. Thank you for coming on to the No Truth Bar podcast today. How you doing, sir? Hey, peace and blessings, King. First and foremost, I would like to thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. And also, what you're doing is commendable. What you're doing is honorable. And also, not to mention, your intellectual power helps yourself. Thank you, you sir. For like over 10 years, by social media, you know, we connected a couple of times and things of that nature. And it's an honor to build with you. Uh, in this digital space or this virtual space that is, you know, because it shows us the indicative of the fact that we're adapting to the technology, which has been occurring. And also we live in the age of technology. We live in the age of the fourth industrial revolution. And it's great to see that we're still on top of it, making it happen. And, and, you know, I'm doing well. Thanks. Indeed, indeed, man. And, and to take that to like, if we want to look at the, um, the, uh, the ontological uh, perspective of that, you know, when you're living in the age of Ogun, man, you know, they say Ogun rules technology and iron and that sort of paradigm. Uh, but I want to allow you, you know, not me, I, I can be rather verbose. So I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself because uh, you are known, you are, you are very known. But the people here in the Virginia area, man, introduce yourself, man. Who is Baru LeBray? Uh, what are you getting into, man? And, and just overall, man, you know, Explain, ex- explain it, bro. Tell the people about yourself, man. Hey, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, my, my full name is Baruti LeBray Cafele, or you could call me Baruti, Baruch, LeBray, whatever. But I'm Baruti LeBray. 
And I'm from Jersey City, New Jersey. I'm African centered, libertarian, red pill perspective as well. And I'm an entrepreneur at my clothing brand, which is Libre Brand. We have jackets. Hold on, brother. You're kind of, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Yeah, you're good. You, we're back. We're back. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Excellent. Excellent. Is it clear on my end or is it a little... You're good now. You kind of were a little... It was a little, a little, little uh, blurry and whatnot and you were kind of fading in and out, but you're good now. You're good. Excellent. Excellent. You're part of me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My name is, uh, you know, Baruti Labre Cafele. You are for sure Baruti Labre. Shorter than that, call me Baruti. From Jersey City, New Jersey, over in the Tri-State area. Five minutes from New York City. And I have a clothing brand by the name of Libre Brand. I have one of the shirts on. We have jackets, we have hats, we have medallions, what have you. So I'm in the accessory and also the textile business, which is um, clothing. And also not to mention, uh, I just obtained my real estate broker's license as well. So uh, Libertas Realty is about to be a virtual real estate brokerage firm as well. So we're about to kick that off very soon. But the thing is that I'm working one step at a time. I have a whole bunch of projects. Uh, right now that I'm looking to put together and with me as an independent and as an autonomous uh, creative slash entrepreneur, as you know, uh, it takes more diligence, it takes more resilience, it takes more organization because in essence, you're doing it yourself or you're doing it with a whole bunch of fellow independents who believe in your movement, who believe in uh, your entity and who believe in the vision for that. So in essence, that's what I'm working on myself. And as far as my perspective, just like the intellectual powerhouse right here, Brother Hoyt, you know, I'm African-centered, but also the concomitant factors of that is that I'm libertarian as far as my economic and political perspectives, along with the cultural Afrocentric perspective, which one could argue is uh, political as well, which is also spiritual as, as well, which is also economic as well, uh, which is also ontological and the various other factors as well. But also, not to mention, I'm red tail as well. So you could say that I'm an Afrocentric libertarian red tail individual or intellectual that is. Indeed. And, and, and brother, you mentioned a myriad of things, and I definitely want to touch on all of those. But first and foremost, I remember when you actually launched LeBray brand, bro. Like, I remember when you tagged me in it. I remember like the medallions and the necklaces and the jackets. And it was real when I saw Dr. Cobble wearing your joint. And I was like, I hit you. I was like, dude, wait a minute. Dr. Cobble is wearing like some of your brand. And before we actually get into Le, uh, the LeBray brand itself, I would like for you to do this for me because I think in, in the in the period of social media and this epoch that we're in, I think entrepreneurship is kind of often over romanticized. I think we got we get to see like the glitz and the glamour, but we don't ever see the other side of that coin. And so before you explain like uh, what was the impetus for you to start Lebray uh, brand, and I love the motifs because you know we're both into the comedic you know, sciences as well. So I love the motifs with your brand. But before you get into that, uh, what would you say is some of the caveats you would put out? Oh, my brother faded. Hold on. Oh, wait, wait. He left the session. Okay, folks, we're going to bring him back. Hold on. Let me see if he can pop back in. He, he left the session really quick. All right, I'm going to... I'm not going to stop the video and I'm not going to start recording. We're going to. OK, um, hold on. We're going to try to invite him back into the mix. 
Uh, let's see here. Um, participants, invite. Here we go. I'm gonna send this again. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he faded out of here. I don't know what the deal was. Hold on, people. These are technical difficulties. Uh, bear with me. Um. <laughs> All right, so we're waiting for, but uh, but Rudy, man, is 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 I, I love what he does, man. He writes a lot of articles um related um to libertarianism, and that's something I want to get into because a lot of us actually don't know um we don't really have a good idea about libertarian libertarianism. Um, hold up, he just texted me, just sent the link again. All right, so let's go ahead and get back. So yeah, um, he and I think it's something as black people, as African people, it's something that we need to discuss uh, a little bit more. I think we need to learn about other political alternatives in addition to this uh, dichotomy or this biopoly, if you will, of the Democratic and the Republican Party. And to be real, a lot of them just operate on, on pandering uh, to certain constituents like black people. You look at the Democrats... Uh, hold on. Okay, hold up. Let me see here. Uh, do, 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 do. all right. I'm gonna try to text this to my brother. Let's see here, and I'll just go to my other email. All right, we back. We back in business. Okay. All right, but. <laughs> Not to not to get off topic, but essentially, I just kind of wanted to um, before you kind of get into like your reason for starting LeBray brand and choosing the particular motifs that you use in your clothing line. Um, what are some things that you feel might be kind of slightly exacerbated and over romanticized when you see this craze where everybody believes they want to be the entrepreneur without putting in the work and the sweat equity of becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a good thing right here. If one is becoming an entrepreneur, if one wants to become an entrepreneur, one needs to understand this. It's not all good and glamour. It's not all gold and platinum. It's not all roses and daisies. It takes a lot of diligence. It takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of sleepless nights. It takes a lot of early morning. It takes a lot of determination. A lot of wear and tear on the spot. A lot of critical thinking. A lot of quick thinking. A lot of challenges. A lot of challenges. A lot of hindrances, a whole lot of that as it relates to entrepreneurialism or as it relates to entrepreneurship. Because the thing is that you need to be disciplined. You need to motivate yourself. You need to be analytical as it relates to your mindset. You need to look at your profits. You need to look at your losses. You need to stay on track with your revenue and expenses or your expenditures. You need to continuously think about ways of marketing, things of promoting, things of knowing your product, things of adapting to your product, adapting to your clientele, knowing your clientele, knowing when to switch your clientele if you need to do that. So being an entrepreneur requires a lot of discipline. It's not like you could just wake up and just start a business. You need to make sure that you're choosing a product which is demandable. And if it's not demandable, you need to find a way to make it demandable and make sure that you cater to the right audience. Because the key to entrepreneurship is alertness to opportunity. Monetizing the needs of your potential client base or your potential uh, customers. Knowing what your customer wants, knowing what your mm -hmm. customer needs, mm -hmm. and making sure that you can monetize that. Because mm -hmm. in essence, when you're an entrepreneur, you're a problem solver, but you put in a price tag to solving that problem. You need to make sure that you're 
be it the needs of the client or be it the desires or be it the imaginations of the client. But of course, making sure that it's profitable, making sure that your uh, your expenditures don't exceed your revenue. But at the same time, though, if you look at the world long term, yeah, expenditures may have to exceed your revenue because it takes money to make money. You see what I mean? So it's very scientific. It's very intricate, more so than what one seeing. It's not just about perception. It's about profitability. Profitability over perception if one wants to sustain in business. And, and I and I, I, lo- I love that you uh, you elucidated on that particular aspect of entrepreneurship because I think people want to put like CEO in their social media handle and you know they want to you know put on suits but like you know a brother like yourself I, I've seen the work that you put in and it and it and it definitely it's a lot of intellectual rigor it's a lot of creative rigor and I, and from what I would assume from watching entrepreneurs such as yourself and other brothers and sisters that I know that run businesses. It's a, a skill in handling people and dealing with different personalities. So enough with that. And I want to segue into uh, LeBray brand, freedom of flyness, excuse me. I love the, the, the symbolism. I love the motifs that you put in it. I think it's brilliant. I think it harkens back, uh, word to Sankofa, all of that. So I want to uh, allow you to explain, one, uh, what even ex- inspired you to even want to do a clothing line? And two, why did you choose to put those specific forms of symbolism uh, in your clothing line as well? Well, well the thing about it is this. Like, uh, first and foremost, uh, I have an African-centered perspective. And, of course, with being African-centered, Kemet is inclusive with that since ancient Kemet or, or uh, ancient Nubia, also civilizations of the Nile Valley were African civilizations, meaning that or all black civilizations. But of course, as you know, preaching to the choir as far as that, the concept of black and white and things of that nature, based on the Western perspective of it, didn't exist back then. But of course, you know, we, we did have the we, we did have different classification on the walls of Kemet, like the Nubian phenotypically you know, looked like this. The Kemite phenotypically you know, looked like this or or, or should I say the you know the Indo-European or the Greek stuff like this? But it's not based on the understanding of what we know for that today. But if you were to go into a time machine and take the ancient Kemites and bring them, uh, transport them, or teleport them over to the 21st century, they, they would look like us. Meaning that uh, sharp men would probably stop them on on a, on a traffic stop or or, or or trying to be aggressive with them, like like what they did, you know, with uh, George Floyd, rest in peace. But that's not the discussion right there. You know, so so the thing about it is this: you know, with me being African centered, with be studying the aesthetics, the historicity, the symbolism, and everything else as it relates to ancient Kemet. I wanted to incorporate that into fashion, not make it like corny, but make it relatable to our times and day and age. So that's why I wanted to start the clothing brand, and I wanted to do it myself. I wanted to have the artistic and creative license in order to do that metaphorically speaking. So that's an idea that I put together. But in this day and age, I want to do you know something else. I'm still going to keep the brave brand going, but I think that my maturation has increased, my thought pattern has increased, my mindset has increased yeah. as it relates to how the world really operates. So, so the thing about it is that you know a 20 year old me, you know that was the brave brand, and I'm going to keep that going, obviously. But I want to look and walk into something else. You me? Yeah, you you never want to be at a point of stasis. It's always about movement. It's always about uh, evolution. Is it even with uh, certain perspectives, you know, like, you know, one of the things for me was that um, I was always now Valley centered and I want to get into this a little bit later. But I was always now Valley centered in my study of uh, Africa and antiquity. And from there, I realized that even with that, 
there was a lot more layers I had to peel back. You know, I started getting the stuff like about Napata Playa and all these different astronomical observatories right. you had up and down the Nile Valley. And um, it's just, it's just, um, I love, when I first saw you do that, I just loved it because you're such an astute brother. I knew there was like volumes of depth behind that dope stuff to take because a lot of black people aren't really going in that particular lane. Um, so one, I want you to clear this up for the, for the people. What makes you different from a person? Um, and like you may, you may feel this is kind of like more banal knowledge, but just to, for, for, to clear it up for the listener, what makes you different from a real estate agent versus a broker versus being into real estate investment? And secondly, uh, what inspired you to start Libertas uh, LLC? And then the, the pandemic hit, so I was working on ways, you know, get in the house, live to raise funds. And, 
Indeed. You know, and, and, and I could jump back into the amendment, but I don't want to do that because I'm looking in, at the market and I'm studying the politics behind what's going on in the world. And, and, and I think I don't think that this is the best time for investors and real estate, you know, contrary to popular beliefs, because it's very competitive right now. Everyone's buying, you know, properties, you know, and, and we may enter into a boom possibly due to the fact that, uh, you know, things are about to start opening up and things of that nature. And also, and also a lot of folks are looking to buy a property. Yeah. To, Governmental subsidies and also the government to um, pay out because of the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic or pandemic, depending on one's perspective on that. You know, so the thing about it is that you know, with me, I'm waiting, and also I have other innovations that I'm working on as well. You know, which I'll get into probably later in the future. No doubt. Um, really quick, uh, anybody anybody that's listening to this particular episode, um. If they wanted to come to you, uh, do you have, like, if someone wanted consulting as far as, like, getting into that particular field and they wanted to reach out, is that something you do for, like, a specific, like, uh, could they, like, maybe do business with you in that capacity? Because I'm just thinking about that because I know people are going to listen to this and they may have, like, some sort of, like, just kind of neophyte interest uh, in that particular industry. Could they reach out to you and possibly, uh, you know, of course, pay for that sort of consult uh, consultation from you? Definitely so, definitely so. We, we, we can certainly do a consultation, you know, like, like uh, and the thing about it is that, you know, I'm, I'm affordable when it comes to the price, but but, the thing, but then again, affordable is relative at the same time, but, but we could, you know, definitely, you know, make something happen, but, you know, if one, if one pays, then I'll definitely give a variety of information. I'll definitely give a quality information within that time frame, and it's up to you, you know, the listener, in order to implement that, in order to make things happen. But as far as giving the information, certainly so, you know, because, you know, because, um, Instead of buying, you know, temples and then and then utilize six months in order to study the temples for that same price, we could have a, a conversation for an hour or two. You could take the notes and then you can implement the information that I'll disseminate. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, switching lanes again here. Uh, switching lanes again. So, uh, one of the things that caught me, I know, a few years back, you know, you started to put out articles. You started to uh, do a few lectures around the political ideology of libertarianism. And it kind of uh, oh, yeah. it kind of piqued my interest as well because one of the things I got kind of sick of was like uh, the quotidian rhetoric that you would get from both the left and the right. I kind of feel like it's a, it's a, as Jesse Ventura would say, it's a two party dictatorship. Um, they have a biopoly, if you will, right. on political discourse. Um, and then I have I have like extreme uh, castigations of both the right and the left. And once again, I'll put this out there just to kind of preface what I'm what I'm about to say. Uh, by any means, I'm no expert in libertarianism, libertarianism, nor um, anarcho-capitalism, which I started to kind of read a little bit about as well. Um, but it's something okay. that it's something that is kind of like pulling me in a little bit more the more that I learn about it. And I feel like for the black community. I truly think it's something that we should be a little bit more open to. I think it's something we should be willing uh, to learn more about. Um, and with that being said, uh, one, what kind of uh, pulled you into studying uh, libertarian, libertarianism? Excuse me, um, a lot, a lot more, and actually begin to write on it as well. Um, and then, I guess my follow-up question to that would be: What relevance do you see, or you think, could be uh, with libertarianism? Uh, how could that be applicable to the black community as as to solving some of our issues? Boy, you you had some very profound questions right there. Well, 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 the thing about it is that with libertarianism, 
Uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't know what specifically caused me to start studying libertarianism, to be honest and candid with you, because especially back during them days, during the early and mid parts of the last decade, that was when I was voraciously into my reading. I'm still reading and studying now, but I'm shifting gears. This is not really into history or into politics. So I still read, uh, you know, various articles and things of that nature. But but the thing is that I, I'm, I'm studying I'm studying more specialized into the trades and the crafts that I'm in. Yes, but, sir. But what led me into libertarianism? I'm, I'm not specifically sure, but when I read it, it just made sense to me. It was like, yes, if we applied a lot of these principles to our lives as a people, I think that this will be the impetus to take us to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. This will be the catalyst which could take us to a whole nother level. This could be the tool which could take us to a whole nother level because libertarianism is a mindset, it's a philosophy, uh, it could be an economic system and things of that nature. And libertarianism is in essence emphasizing the individual and the family to solve problems economically within our communities besides relying on the state and besides relying on the government to intervene and solve our problems. It's in essence doing for self. It's in essence being autonomous of the state. It's in essence being sovereign of the state. It's in e it is in essence one solving problems through creation, through creating solutions to problems. And but in essence, if you think about it, there's no such thing as an end-all be-all solution. It's all about trade-off yeah. within life. Meaning that you have this problem, you rectify this problem. But when you rectify this problem, you have another problem. And then when you have this problem, you rectify that problem. But then when you rectify that, there's another problem that comes with it. So it was, so it's a continuum of problems, but then again, you're coming up with solutions within something called the free market. You know, there's a difference between the free market system and also capitalism. And as a matter of fact, one could even argue the system that we live in is not based on capitalism. It's based on capitalism. It's based on cronyism. It's based on crony capitalism to the point in which you have the government <laughs> apparatus, you have a public system that is put in place, and then you have only certain individuals who are cronies, who are connected and affiliated with certain folks who are representatives or who are politicians within that system. And since they're politicians within that system, then they, they have a monopolistic control over that system because they could, they have the exclusivity to negotiate certain contracts within that system to the point in which they have the control or police power of the government to back them, and they could be able to profit off of the people within that system because they have exclusive rights to certain industries. And if you want to get into that industry, then you need to pay taxes. You need to have a license you need to, to go past different tests and then the people that yeah. are the ones who create those tests they have exclusive government contracts contracts in order to create those tests so that yeah. is crony capitalism it's based on a patron clientelistic system and and, 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 and and that's that is uh you actually kind of jumped ahead because that's why i was going to go there next because i wanted to get into the concept right. of crony capitalism i wanted to kind of uh and not even just the concept like just the way you look at you look at the contracts like our government has with like DynCorp and all these other arms manufacturers and whatnot. And even this whole concept of being too big to fail, it's like, where's the invisible hand? Where it truly is the free market. And one of my concerns, one of my concerns is that um so I'm here in Virginia, right? And our governor essentially he was going to legalize recreational marijuana in 2024. That's what they were shooting for. Now they've pushed it up because they've been pressured. They're pushing it up for July 1st. Now, here's the issue. Um, Virginia's a commonwealth. Now, the way we sell liquor here is that you have to go into a government-owned store and purchase your liquor. If you wanted to get into that business to own a liquor store, there's no opportunity here for you in the state of Virginia. You're locked out of that market. 
And what my fear is, is that here in Virginia, when they legalize marijuana, they're going to do the exact same thing with marijuana here. Uh, when it comes to the cannabis industry, is that they're going to have these state stores that you got to go to. And if you have the means or the capital to get into that industry, you can't do it here in the state of Virginia. Um, I'm going to kind of digress a little bit. But since I'm on this topic, you're in New Jersey. And from what I understand, they just legalized recreational cannabis out of New Jersey. Am I correct? Definitely, definitely. You, you can you can say that. You can say that there's still some regulations there as it relates to that, but but you can say that. Oh. And the thing is that I'm not too knowledgeable about that because I, I'm I'm not that much of a, a smoker myself. But but the thing about yeah, it, same I'm here. But, but the thing about it is that yes, they, they are taking big steps towards that. Let's put it like that. And and, and so um, I, I look at that. But uh, back to the point, I kind of jumped off topic. But my point being is that. Uh, we have kind of like a fictive and a, 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 a misunderstanding concept of uh, capitalism. And then I think, you know, right. some of our, a lot of our leaders, like if you go back to the past, you look at people like uh, uh, Kwame Torre. And, you know, one of their things was they were big into like being, you know, black socialists. And then if you go like a little bit right. more left, you know, our, our, our great ancestor, uh, Brother Walter Rodney, who was like kind of, you right. know, a huge Marxist as well. And it was kind right. of all the ways this dichotomy of, what is the solution? But, you know, um, some of the different economists I've listened to, um, like I said, one of my one of my favorite people to, to look at some of his lectures, like I said, is Jesse Ventura. And even some of the points that you made out. And believe it or not, man, I actually read some of your articles, brother, on. And that's what even kind of abetted in my, in my growth and my knowledge as well. And if you get a chance, you know, shout out where people can find your articles when we get to the end of the episode, because I think people should go and read those. Um but when you look at uh, when you look at libertarianism, I think it provides a more pragmatic way to form some of these solutions that plague our community. In my opinion, um, what what did, why did, why do you think initially a lot of our activists were so attracted towards like socialist rhetoric and and, and kind of dogma almost, if you will? Like, what do you think was the, the attraction there? No, no, the reason why it, it, it's totally understandable. It's totally understandable. Uh, this, this is the thing. When we look at Western society, Western society, if we look at the the, the shadows of Western society, or should, uh, should I say, we we look at the formation of Western society, one cannot deny the ignominious and the disgraceful system of slavery. You know, previous to that, feudalism, but most importantly, slavery, chattel slavery, uh, and, and and also the internationalization of molasses, rum, and also the commoditization, objectification, and and, and, and also the Genocide, genocidal destruction of our people through slavery. So the thing about it is that through the international commerce of us as the people, human trafficking, that is, since we want to talk about human trafficking again, let's not forget that the only reason why we're here and in, in having the Zoom conversation here in the Western Hemisphere is because of human trafficking. Folks, you know, it's especially if you folks on the higher up, you know, a lot of your grandfathers and grandmothers were involved in human trafficking of us. And I don't care if you get mad about it, I'm out here. But anyway, to get back to the subject matter at hand, um, the thing about it is that the, the thing about it is that that history has been affiliated with capitalism, the free enterprise system. That, that, that's what they correlate it as. A, a lot of these Caucasian folks that were involved uh, with a lot of the early wealth within this country, which plays an interconnected role with the human trafficking of our people, a, a lot of them coined that as the free enterprise system. And the thing about it is that um, a, a lot of the early writers, as it relates to liberty, and, and also you know 
within the libertarian community. A lot of the writers of Thomas Jefferson, as, as it relates to individualism, as it relates to you know his his philosophy, as it relates to democracy and his participatory democracy, and, and also the free enterprise. A, a, a lot of libertarians, a lot of the coined Thomas Jefferson and also the various others. But what we need to understand is this: a lot of these so-called early capitalists owned enslaved Africans. So the thing about it is that that was around the time of the 18th century when a lot of these views were championed. But let's not forget about the 19th century. You had a dialectical view, you know, from Hegel and from Karl Marx and the various others. So, of course, with a lot of black folks coming into the late 19th century and also the 20th century leading to the decolonization movement, it was easy for them to gravitate to the working class and think that the solution was for, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the majority of the rule and, and things of that nature, the proletarian working class and, and, and also the empowerment of the state. But what we need to understand is this, you know, when that became practiced and implemented within places like uh, Africa, within the various countries of Africa and the various countries of the Caribbean, it actually caused more problems with our people. It caused more problems for various countries that practice communism and socialism and things of that nature. So what we need to understand is this, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and to expect different results. So since communism has failed and, and, and since you know we begin to study capitalism and realize that what we see is not really capitalism it's, it's crony capitalism slash welfare statism we need to practice real libertarianism and once we practice real libertarianism then we'll begin to see changes we've seen real libertarianism happen within various wealthy communities of the late 19th century and early 20th century within our history whether we look at Tulsa whether we look at early Richmond whether we look at early Greensboro mm-hmm. whether we look at uh parts of Florida, we, we've seen that. But, but then, of course, the crony capitalists or the capitalists, you know, begin to invade those areas with their white vigilante groups. That's what, that's what we saw with Tulsa and also with a lot of the other massacres which have, which have occurred. But whether we look at the, the systemic uh, implementation of, of, of policies in order to destroy our black communities throughout the country or what have you, we've seen a lot of that happen. So now we need to look at libertarianism, Afrocentric libertarianism in order to rectify these issues. Not relying on the government to solve our problems because all yeah. they have done was cause more problems and then creating our own opportunity so that we can rectify our own problems. You see, it, because it, we look at the private sector, the private sector is responsible for innovation, automation, and, and, and also a lot of wealth within our communities and also communities locally outside of our race. So that's what we need yeah, to look at. Very much so. And and I think another thing to point out, and you know, uh people like uh um even even I looked at like people like uh, Paul Robeson, even some uh, some of Langston Hughes' work. He talked about a lot of these white socialists and the white communists and the racism they had towards black people that were trying to participate yeah. in those communist movements. Yeah. So it's like and Dr. John Henry Clark talked about the same thing. He said, you know, people thought that that was the answer, you know, to run and look at Leon Trotsky or to run and look at you know Marx or any of these other people or Lenin, but they held a lot of the same racist views. And had a different paradigm of of Eurocentric supremacy versus the Western uh, paradigm of it. So it was kind of like two competing ideologies fighting for the African mind. And so it really, it it truly wasn't like an alternative. And so speaking of that, I want to kind of move into how you and I first started to converse. Uh, I know way back in the day, uh, (laughs) it seemed like forever ago, but way back in the day, you know, our point of uh, conversation dealt a lot with, you know, African-American history, African philosophy as well. Um, when you get into some of the comedic teachings or more than now violent teachings or what have you. Um, and then we had a lot of different minds and intellectuals that we were referenced a lot. You know, some of my people were people like Chicanta Jacques, 
you know, uh, people like uh, Dr. John Henry Clark, people like Jay Rogers, you know, um, and then other people that I begin to kind of expose myself to, like Dr. Nell, Irvin Painter, etc. Um, so I want to ask you first, uh, who, Dr. Amos Wilson, I'll be remiss if I don't mention that name. I'm sorry about that. But I want to ask you, uh, when it comes to, like I said, initially, you know, looking at our history and our people, who are some of the minds that um, impacted you uh, when you're talking about the study, the studying of African history or the, or the history of African people, um, not just on the continent, but out in the diaspora as well? I mean, there's so many minds, but just some notable individuals that had an impact on your research. And the same names that, that, that you mentioned, and also Dr. Yosef Yakinen as, as well. Yeah. You know, not, not to mention, also, uh, you know, like you said, Dr. Amos Wilson, you know, you know, can't forget about him, Dr. Milana Karenga mm. as well. We can't yeah. forget you know, about yeah. Baba Kaba Kameen. Uh, it, it, it's, it's so many. It's, it's so many countless, so many countless names. You know, you know, I had to give it up to Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois as he got older. As he got yeah, older, you know, yeah, because, um, yeah. During the early part of the 20th century, I was more of a Booker T. Washington kind of guy, but as he got older, he started to, you know, uh, mature in his political views and also his perspective on things. Uh, Dr. Ayite from Ghana, it's mm -hmm. so many. It's so many today. Yeah, it, it's and I I want to real quick since we're on this, I want to shout out some that I feel like don't get a lot of um, mention. Um, uh, he's taught out of uh, the University of Chicago. Uh, the, uh, the the ancestor now, uh, Dr. Jacob Carruthers. Um, he he did his yeah, own yeah, own yeah. variant of Metonetra. Um, definitely Theophilo Benga, who was basically a partner yeah. of Jacques. Um, some of those people as well. Well, what? But to to kind of like move it along. Uh, here we are, we're in 2021. You mentioned that, you know, the fourth, uh, we're in the fourth industrial revolution. We're in the epoch of technology, the age of information. Uh, we talked a lot about economics. We talked a lot about entrepreneurship. In 2021, where does the study, like how you and I studied uh, African history, uh, how relevant is it? For younger people coming up, in your opinion, to you know maybe know about like the Dogon and know about uh, Tambutu or know about Mali or Meroe or any of these other societies that we had that produced great sciences and art, um, trade, commerce, literature, architecture, etc. Um, is what does that look like in 2021? Is it something that's relevant for young people to really research and know, kind of like how we did? Um, what's your opinion on that? It's definitely relevant to know your history. It's definitely relevant to know where you came from for the purpose of self-determination, for the purpose of self-awareness, for the purpose of potentiality, but for the purpose of knowing that you have a higher purpose. But one cannot get stuck in the past. Yeah. One has to know it, but now it's time to implement to know about what's going on in the world, the trends of what's going on in the world, seeing problems that are occurring in the world, and, and finding out ways in order to solve these problems in this fourth industrial revolution that we're living in. So... It's not just a matter of just knowing it, just to know it, just to have conversations and just to build and things of that nature. It's all about really building so that you can create opportunities and also solve a lot of these problems that have been affecting us for the past 400 years since we've been in North in South America and the Caribbean. Yeah. A lot of these problems that they've uh, inflicted upon us. I, I, I agree. The way I, so this is the way I look at history. Um, I look at history as a continuum. Like I don't, I don't look at it as being episodic. So I look at us as still living in the 1492 paradigm. I believe like that 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 particular point it affects us now. 
But with that being said, it's not, it's not, um, I would not say that it's, it's more so not living in the past, but you're looking at, okay, these are the tools that produce. And I know people at the PhD level, they'll say, hey, it's not causation, it's correlation, not causation. And I know a lot of people would say that. Um, right. Oh, my brother fade out. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I know a lot of people would say that. But for me, I look at it like I'm researching the, the variables and the, and, the, and the different events that produce the current paradigm that I live under. And a lot of times what we do is when we look at problems in society, we may say, well, why is the black family so fractured? We would just look at it as many people, not you and I as a, a kind of like a face level insular view where it just happened because we're incompetent and we're not looking at the variables that got us there. But at the same time, we also have to make sure that we're building tangible things. We can't just sit around on the corner and build on the 120 all day. Like we gotta be working towards stuff. I know a lot of people, you know, yo, let's build God, let's talk on this, let's, you know, let's speak on that. But if it's not evolving into something tangible, then it's just us kind of pontificating on all of these arcane issues and being armchair philosophers. Uh, so with that being said, to take this a little bit further, what's your opinion on someone that would go to college now and pursue a degree, let's say in African studies or African-American studies? Like I said, you know, there's a purpose for someone to do that or for a group of people or for a country or entity of people to study African history and then and then teach the information. But the thing about it is that, you know, it's not for everyone, meaning that that's why we have specialization of labor, which is a part of libertarianism as well. You know, everyone can't be the teacher. Everyone everyone can't be the teacher. Everyone can't be the scholar or, or the professor. Everyone has a role to play. Yeah. So I'm definitely for that. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, it's not everyone's lane. But it's incumbent or imperative for everyone to know African history, African culture, and for a sense of pride, for a sense of purpose, and also for a sense of ethics, for a sense of morals and principles in order to live by. You see what I mean? It's not just to be egotistical and condescending towards one another. Yeah. It's for the purpose of yeah. knowing our purpose, you know, as a people so that we could be able to work interdependently amongst one another. Not collect, not, I won't say collectively with, with the socialist implication, nor I won't say hyper-individually based on the, the, the so-called Western perspective. I'm speaking interdependently because, of course, we are our own individuals, but we need to understand that we have a cause that we're fighting for in order for us to get um, liberated as a people and for us to advance as a people. You see, that, that's the thing about it right there. So, you know, so the thing is that there's a role as far as that, you know, I, I'm definitely for the continuum of, of our story in order to get disseminated. But, but like I said before, you know, we, we need to, we, we need to, of course, create the future. As well. I, and don't get me wrong, we, we yeah. have very relativity and, and, and time is all relative. Yeah. I, I understand all that. Yeah, but yeah, 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 realistic, yeah, yeah, realistically speaking, the thing about it is that what, 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 we, what we need to understand is this, you know, what we need to understand is this, you know, we're, you, you, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not wearing cloth around our, our, our phallus anymore, we're wearing sandals. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, come on. Like, Indeed. We need to understand that we need to innovate. During the time that we're living in. But you, but you, one of the things one of my mentors pointed out to me, and I think it was very astute, and I think this is kind of maybe the perspective that we should have. Let's look at it like a pie chart. So if I'm looking at the, the solution or the resolution towards ending or solving African-based issues, I could look at it like, okay, my place is in the entrepreneurial space. My space is in the political space. My space may be in academia. 
And that way, one is, is interdependent, but we also can specialize. And, and, and inside that into like the economic factor, you get paid off of being a specialist. A lot of times that's how you really are able to make money. So even people that we look at, let's say like a Dr. Kaba, he's a specialist in that particular uh uh, lane of knowledge or information, if you will. So I think that's a, a good way uh, to look at it, to, to divide it up and choose how do you want to play a part in solving the, plot, the problem? So you have your lane, you know, you're here, you're doing real estate. You also write a lot of great articles as well. You know, you've done LeBray brand, you've done lectures. So you have your lane, you know, podcasting is one of my mediums is one of my lanes, but I have other lanes as well that I want to use towards solving these issues. Um, so to move away from that, I, I want to get real quick before you head out, man, I want to get you on some hip hop talk real quick, you know, um, okay. <laughs> so I want to get you on some hip hop talk, uh, from what I know and definitely, uh, help me here and, and elucidate you, uh, managed or you did, you promoted artists in the Jersey area. I think one of them I remember is a brother by the name of Fora. Uh, it, tell me about your time doing that, man. How was that experience? It was, it was a good experience. It, it, don't get me wrong, it was turbulent, though, because when you're dealing with artists, you know, a, a, a lot of the time, you know, when you're dealing with art, you operate off the right side of your brain, which is based on creativity, which is based on sentimentality, which is based on emotionality. And, and the thing about that is that with that side of the brain, you know, it, it could be, uh, you know, it, it could be uh, unpredictable. It's still a brain inside of the brain, but it's unpredictable as well. It's not based on, you know, quote, logic, end quote. But then again, what is logic? You see what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's different definitions and interpretations of that based on one's culture and things of that nature, you know. So so, so when you're dealing with that, you know, it, it was a beautiful experience as far as creativity goes and dealing with different creators at the same time. But but then again, when you're dealing with that, you have to understand that that at the artist, the artist's perspective, you know, a lot of the time is priority. You see what I mean? But then again, there has to be equilibrium or balance because what's creativity may not be complementary to what may be profitability. You yeah. See what I mean? And, and the thing is that we see, we see in a lot of those issues now with the mainstream um, music industry with a lot of the artists that are coming out. Yeah, I, and once again, it ties it to kind of having that acumen or that EQ. A lot of times we talk about IQ, but EQ is just being able to really deal with the myriad of emotions, the, the sundry of, of perspectives that you're going to de deal with when you're working with various artists. Because I, I think I told you I used to rap back in the day, and I tried to be in a rap group, and being in a rap group is one of the hardest things ever because you're dealing with so many different personalities and egos, especially amongst men. You know, everybody wants to be the alpha uh, if you got a group of men together. Um, also, I want to ask you, one time, man, uh, a few years ago, I had this, this brother who I consider real intelligent, um, very wise, and he, he went by the name of B-Knowledge, and he actually sent me a, a freestyle. And uh, I don't know if you know this individual. His name is B-Knowledge, man. He went by that. And I want to know if he's still trying to write rhymes, man. If he's still trying to hit that booth. And do, do you know? Do you know this guy? You know him? Do you know him? <laughs> yeah, I ain't seen him in a long time. You know, I, I, I ain't seen him in a long time. You know, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. The thing about this is this. Like the thing about this is this. Like, um, you know, as, as far as rap goes, you know, is you know, you know, I, I love, I love the art form. You know what I mean? I love, I love the culture. Like, I, I met this one young lady the other day. She was in my car. And she and she said, You play a lot of different kinds of music. She said, Do you plan on rapping? I said, I can rap, but it's not anything that I'm passionate about you know, doing as far as monetization or anything like that. Like I I'm I'm busy with other things as far as my monetization. But but the thing is that, you know, if if an opportunity comes for me
me to write for someone, I'll write. I'll write them. I could always take you know residual income in order to you know fund my endeavor. Indeed. Which will of course beneficial for the marketplace, beneficial for our people. Indeed. If 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 you okay, uh, if you had, if DJ Premier came out the cut, he was like, "Yo, I follow you. I got a beat. I want you to get on it. You picking that pin up?" Yeah. <laughs> Up, you know, but the concerns got to make sense. Like, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a very busy person. Indeed, indeed. It sense, man, man. We'll make it happen. It will have to make sense. Okay, I, I want to get your opinion on this because uh, you know everybody. It, once again, like I said, hip hop is 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 kind of rather uh, hyper masculine, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. Um, but right. uh, we always want to talk about who the goat is, and and I have like my own perspective on that. Uh, one, right. I think it's relative and it's subjective. You know, I don't believe in it is because if you're in the Bay Area, a person may say, yo, I think two short is top five ever. If I'm if I'm in Atlanta, someone might throw up three stacks. You know, if I'm in Jersey, someone might say red man, you know. So uh, one, what do you think about that concept when we're trying to, like, build this hierarchy of who the best MC of all time is? Um, and then two, if you do believe in that, who do you think is the GOAT? Well, the thing is, this, as far as the concept of the gold, it, it all depends on what you're talking about. Are you talking about financial gratification? Are you, are you talking about punchlines? Oh, oh, we're, we're talking about your discography and what you do in that booth. It, 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 exactly. It all depends. They're different categories, though. So I can't say. So I can't say that this one and this one goat of everything. Indeed. You know I mean? Because you know some are better than. Than the other, you see what I mean, and and then there are artists which may be better than. There may be artists which is unknown, which may be better at certain things than artists that are known, but we just don't know who that person is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like Immortal Technique said in the song, "I write this for the illest MCs that'll never be known." You know, and uh, that's when I used to rap, and I heard that song, and I was like, "Damn," you know, I felt like he was talking to me, but you know, that's kind of a simple. Yeah. That's kind of a conclusion akin to what I've came to. I think it's subjective. And what I tell people is I don't really have a top 10 list because there are too many artists, too many different criteria to look at. But what I will tell you is that I have kind of like an objective, almost as objective as I can be top 10. And then my personal favorite artists. Since you're from Jersey, I got to tell you this. One of my favorite MCs ever is Chino XL. Now, what I try to take, what I try to say that, yo, Chino XL should be the GOAT. I would never say that, but Chino is, I, I got work, I got some of his music from when he was in Art of Origin, stuff from like 91, 92, like he was always one of my favorite MCs, so uh, that's kind of how I feel about the GOAT talk, but look man, I'm, we're wrapping this up, I, once again I want to thank you for coming on, and I want to allow you to have this time, man. oh no no doubt, no doubt man, I want to allow you to have this time man to talk about uh, any particular projects, anything that the world need to look out for that you got coming up. Hey, what well, well, the thing about it is that, you know, like, like I said, you know, I'm working on Liberty Touch Realty, you know, which is coming very soon. You know, I, I'm working on other things as well, but I, I don't want to talk about them you know, right now. You know, it, it's all respect, it's all love, but the thing is that, but, but, but the thing about it is that, you know, with, with, with things of that nature, I'd rather just, you know, do my studies, you know, you know, you know, work, work alone. And then, and then when the time is right, then present it to the world. And then from there, we could all make things happen and we could prosper. But I'm working on Lip and Touch Realty, the great brand, you know, uh, you know, apparel is still selling, you know, got a couple of orders from America and also, you know, South Africa as well, you know, thankfully. So 
still sustaining since 2012, you know, thankfully, which is honorable as well. And, and also, you know, right now, just, just just in the middle of just uh, making things happen so that we could uh, we, we could advance in the 21st century and beyond. All right. Well, listen, brother, I thank you for coming on, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I, I'm deeply appreciative of you coming on the platform. Um, I can't wait to put this episode out. Oh, uh, no, no doubt, brother. No doubt, man. And um, listen, man, I, you know, it makes my, my heart warm when I see the moves that you're making out in Jersey. I always said, like, if I'm in the tri-state area, what'd you say? Oh, thank you, sir. I'm, 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 I'm working out here, man. And um, I said, dude, when I'm in Jersey, Tri-State area, I'm going to reach out to you, brother, because we definitely we definitely got a link. Yeah, man, we got a link and break bread in person, man. And Oh, real quick before we get off here, uh, tell people your social media handle so they know how to follow you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You can follow me on Instagram, Libre Brand, L-I-B-R-E, you know, Libre and then Brand. B-R-A-N-D, you know, right here, Libre Brand right here. You see what I mean? L-I-B-R-E-B-R-A-N-D, Libre Brand. And then the website is www.librebrand.com for the clothing. You see what I mean? You know, and then and then from there, uh, you could go on you know, my website, barutilibre.com, B-A-R-U-T-I-L-I-B-R-E.com for my articles and also for some Libre Brand exclusive as well. All right. Well, well, listen, man, once again, thank you for coming on. And this has been episode 63 of No Truths Barred. We had the powerful Baruti LeBray on today. And uh, this episode is going to be up. And make sure you're following me on Instagram at Hoyt, H-O-Y-T underscore Kuwaku, K-W-A-K-U underscore Timmons. That's T-I-M-M-O-N-S. Also, make sure you follow my new page, which is underscore No Truths Barred. Make sure you follow me on Facebook, which is No Truths Barred Timmons. Also, make sure you follow my YouTube channel, which is the No Truths Barred Podcast. Thank you. Much love. Take care. And peace. Much love, y'all. This has been episode 63 of No Truths Barred with guest Baruti LeBray. If you've enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe to the SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube channel. And make sure you're following me on Instagram at underscore no truths barred podcast. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at writer hyphen H Kwaku K W A K U. Thank you. Take care and peace.